Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Biden also used the event to announce his nominee to lead a bureau he cannot abbreviate. Finally, the Bureau of Alcohol, Alcohol, Tobacco and Firearms, the key agency enforcing gun laws, hasn't had a permanent director since 2015. Today, I'm proud to nominate David Chipman to serve as a director of the AFT. David knows the AFT well. Yeah, David knows the AFT so well that he knows it's the ATF. Now, Chipman <laughs> is a controversial choice because he's a gun control advocate. Unlike the last administration's head of the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, drunk Joe Camel shooting dynamite off a fence. <laughs> Good times. Drunk Joe Camel shooting dynamite <laughs> off a fence is pretty funny. Oh, you don't shoot uh, dynamite. You shoot tannerite. Um, There's no particular reason that it's ATF instead of AFT, right? But it is. Depends on your priorities. But it is. We can't have tobacco uh, running around our streets. (laughs) Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a weird pairing in general, right? Those three group together. It's a great party. It's a hell of a Friday night. (laughs) Yeah. Are you kidding? Well, you know, no, there's no need for it to be the ATF as opposed to the AFT. But if I went on and on to Sean about how there needs to be more parity in the NAB, the National Association of <laughs> Basketball, I understand what it is, but that's a strange mistake to make. <laughs> um, so you remember old Matt Gates, a Florida congressman? It doesn't, how could we forget? It doesn't make any difference, you realize. If he resigns this afternoon, it's a solidly red district there'll be another republican there it's not a major deal but i don't you know i don't know i guess if you're super into politics you follow these things like a soap opera it matters to you he he being a super trumpy congressman got a big following 
So I think there are people who, who admire him and are, are rooting for him. Right. And so that's that crowd. And then on the left, because he's Trumpy, they see him as the evil congressman. But I'm just saying, overall, I don't think it's going to have any effect on anything if he resigns this afternoon. And he is going to resign one of these days. He's going to have no choice. But so uh, the, that guy he uh, was friends with that's got all kinds of problems. The tax collector who sets computers on fire. <laughs> yes, his tax collector friend. What's his name? I had uh, it in Greenberg? Front of me. Yeah, Greenberg. I had it in front of me and then lost it. Greenberg who uh, has got all kinds of uh, dealings with uh, hiring chicks online for sex and that sort of stuff. His lawyer had this to say. Does Matt Gates have anything to worry about? I'm sure Matt Gates is not feeling very comfortable today. So, I'm sure Matt Gates is not feeling very comfortable. Today. Greenberg's lawyer saying that is uh, probably a, a tip of things to come huh. on how connected Greenberg and Gates were. Why would he say that? I don't know. I thought that was a weird thing to say. I'm trying to figure out the angles. Because he's trying to keep his dude out of trouble. I, I, I don't know. I have no idea. Is he going? Oh, oh, I've got oh, it. He's, Joe's got oh, it. Look out. Uh, hey, he's going to portray Matt Gates as the ringleader. Okay. Is the guy who dragged poor Mr. Greenberg along with his nefarious schemes. The powerful congressman. My client was afraid to disagree or resist. I could be. I wonder. Very well could be. Um, we uh, we actually just off air had a little conversation about, should we talk more about Biden's gun proposals? And then Joe said, and he's right, what's the point? And nothing's going to happen. Lonnie Chen told us that hour. It's the same thing every other pundit is saying and the same thing that has happened for many years. The, 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 nothing major is going to happen. So there's no point in discussing things that aren't going to happen. Well, unless if people find it interesting why they're not going to happen, given the uh, seemingly acute need, and part of it is that, as usual, what's proposed would have nothing to do with the recent shootings. Right. You could make the argument that the red flag laws, where if your neighbor, your relative is super crazy, like that football player, they can't get a hold mm-hmm. of a gun legally. Uh, you know, I'm willing to discuss that, although that has enormous constitutional sure. problems Who's- to it. What's the, what's the level of crazy that somebody shouldn't get to have a gun? Hey, my neighbor. And according is, to whom? My ne- exactly. My neighbor's super into QAnon. Believes all that stuff about the um uh, the world is being run by a cabal of people who eat babies and that sort of thing. Oh, really? Well, then they're crazy enough not to get a gun. Could be the argument in a lot of counties in the country. Well, and this uh, causes bitter tears among progressives and people who fear gun violence, but uh, can I uh, identify my neighbor as some sort of QAnon nut and deny him the Fourth Amendment? I mean, obviously, he's so dangerous, we can, we should be able to search him without a warrant. I mean, I'm just wanting to protect the neighborhood. And, it, and um, swing in a different political way, go the other direction, although... This wouldn't be as likely because you're probably not as likely to try to stop people from getting guns in a super red area. But you could have a super red area, uh, possibly. I'm uh, broad blanket, bro- broadly painting here. Um, not everybody's this way just because you're a Republican. Um, but you could have some area where, yeah, my neighbor, they, uh, the the couple of trans people that are in a relationship, they shouldn't have a gun. They're crazy. Um, you, you don't get to make these determinations. Yeah, how about this? I'm, I'm picturing Sandpoint, Iowa. Uh, Idaho, rather. Sandpoint, Idaho. Uh, it's uh, famously very, very red, that part of Idaho. And you have some progressive uh, neighbor who despises conservative politics, 
calls everybody a racist all the time, says you people are trying to reimpose Jim Crow. You're as bad as the Klan, and somebody ought to do something about you. I could picture that easily. Sure. So deny him the first through fifth amendments just to be safe, and then we'll all go about our business. That just doesn't work that way. I'll keep this short because I'm always the person that's bringing up the possibility of World War III, but I thought it was pretty striking. I was listening to one of my favorite podcasts. There's a weekly podcast from The Dispatch, a news organization we like, and uh, it was the first time I've heard really serious people in in a news organization that is hardcore against clickbait and sensationalism and that sort of stuff having a serious conversation about the likelihood of war between the United States and China. Wow. And for good reasons, because of uh, various reports that are coming out, that it is now believed that Xi is looking at moving on Taiwan. Taiwan is a little country right off of China that China believes belongs to them ever since 1949, mm-hmm. when... Uh, Chiang Kai-shek, or however you say his name. Chiang Kai-shek, yeah, there you I go. believe you. Um, FDA, F-A-T, F-T-C, whatever. Um, <laughs> he lost, Get your words straight, Jack. He lost the revolution to the communists. He went to Taiwan and uh, holed up there, and China has wanted that country to be theirs ever since. It's very important mm-hmm. to Xi and the Communist Party to take Taiwan. Well, it had been believed that that move was probably at least 10 years off of China moving on Taiwan. The latest thinking is that it's somewhere in the next, between now and two years, that China is going to move on Taiwan. The reason that's significant is we have treaty agreements with all kinds of different countries, including Taiwan, that we will come to your support if China tries to take you over. Oh, boy. And so the options would be China moves on Taiwan. We either say, sorry about the treaty. We ain't doing anything. Or we're at war with China. And the United States being at war with China is a pretty big deal. That is interesting. It had completely slipped my mind before one guest of the podcast, David French, who we've had on the show many times. We. And he's a military veteran. Um, He's from Tennessee. He's not actually French. Um, Pourquoi? He said it would be pretty weird strategy if China decided to move on Taiwan but doesn't attempt to take out the biggest navy in the world at least the ships that are nearby that could get in their way. That would be an odd military plan, which strangely had never occurred to me. Of course, if you're going to take Taiwan, the first thing you do is, okay, we have to neutralize the American ships that are nearby. In a a strike, you know, like Japan on Hawaii or something. Precisely like Japan on Pearl Harbor. You'd have to do that. And for the same reason, It'd be malpractice to not. So. It's funny, I was talking to my son about this yesterday. He loves this geopolitical stuff like this. Really? How um, cool. I know, he's just hes really into it. Like, you ought to hang out with Delaney, my little one, who's now an adult. Anywho, we were relating it to bullies in the schoolyard and the same sort of thing. Um, That's it, really what it comes down to, is whether or not the bully thinks he can get away with the, you know doing whatever he wants, or you punch him back, or you let him get away with it, or whatever. It's the same mindset. We, right. We have to make it clear to China that it would be way painful to do that before it happens or there will be a war. It's an an, an inevitable war because they will have to attack us to pull off their maneuver. The fanciful idea that they move on Taiwan and then we get to decide whether or not we want to be in a war with China is childish. 
I see. I see the point, because that's the way people have been picturing it. Yeah. China moves. We decide how to respond. No, China will move by neutralizing the threat. Yeah, interesting. And, and you know, kind of ABC 123, but I got to admit it, it, it escaped me. And that's coming today or sometime in the next couple of years. We did, ah, well, I, and I, I further, just feel like, I feel like we don't take this seriously enough. From the president on down, we have been safe and protected for so long, we just can't quite imagine anybody really doing that. Yeah, yeah. Well, and to further complicate matters, Ah, uh, the brave, brave uh, folks who will be standing on the White House lawn saying, let's let's be measured in our response. Let's not overreact to China taking out eight of our ships and killing 700 of our, our sailors. Those will be the same brave corporations that just criticized Georgia's thoroughly reasonable election laws. Coca-Cola, I'm looking at you. Delta, I'm looking at you. Major League Baseball, the NBA, a hundred of other examples, Chase, Citibank, uh, J.P. Morgan. There are dozens and dozens of examples. Nike, please. They will be saying, let's not be hasty now. Anyway, the reason I brought it up uh, again is that it's no longer a fanciful conversation from nut jobs like me. Smart people who talk to uh, powerful people about where things currently stand in the world are looking at this seriously now. Folks, he's he was ahead of his time. He's not a jo- nut job. He's he's kind of a nut job. Kind of a nut job. Uh, coming up, commercial real estate is scared. Wondering how many of the changes that we've seen during the pandemic are permanent. Plus, the extremely troubling goings on at Spotify in terms of Joe Rogan's podcast. Oh, I want to talk about that. And we're going to talk to Jeff Fowler, who we love, who's an expert when it comes to gizmos and tech, and whether or not uh, we're going to have this vaccine. Passport, is that what they're calling it? Right. Yeah. All on the way on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I got an Apple Watch about... A month and a half ago, and I haven't opened the box yet. Maybe I should ask gonna, Jeff Fowler about that. I was going to say, I haven't seen it on you. No. I haven't, I haven't even gotten out of the box. Why? And they aren't cheap either. Yeah. No, no. Can't figure out what I would use it for. Makes you wonder why I bought it. I, uh, hmm. Jeff Fowler, Jeffrey Fowler, technology columnist with the Washington Post. He writes from San Francisco about how to navigate the confusing, occasionally scary, and deeply personal word of tech. I apologize. I took a bite of my protein bar with 20 seconds before air, thinking we had a minute and 20 seconds. I now have food in my mouth. Jeffrey, protein bar is a hostess fruit pie, and he doesn't want people to know it. I can't stop eating them. They're so good. (laughs) Jeffrey, I apologize for the lack of professionalism. How are you, sir? I'm good, and my mouth is clear. Yeah, Excellent. Awesome. Well, I'm proud of you. If you don't read uh, Jeff's stuff in the Washington Post, you should, because it's terrific. Um, the topic of, oh, my gosh, we don't have a lot of time. The topic of so-called vaccine passports controversial in a lot of ways, but the one thing we need to know is would they work or how, how are they coming along? What would you say to that, Jeffrey? Well, uh, we're lucky because we have uh, we have an example now. So, you know, until recently, all this talk about vaccine passports, just the idea, particularly of using a phone 
to be able to prove to a business that you've gotten the vaccine or you've gotten a recent negative COVID test to be able to enter. That's all been theoretical, highly politicized. But the state of New York actually recently just came out with one. It's called the Excelsior Pass. It's a website. It's an app. You use it if you want to go to a sporting event. You use it if you want to go to a concert. You use it if you want to go to a catered wedding. And um, I'm in California, but I have a bunch of friends and colleagues in New York. So I've been making them all try it out for me for the last week, just so we can learn what works, what doesn't, you know, what sort of ideas do we need to figure out, learn from New York before other states and businesses kind of bring it in. Well, how's it going so far? It's a mixed bag. Uh, You want the bad news or the good news? Bad news. I love bad news. (laughs) I think so Uh, negative. (laughs) Bad news is uh, my colleague took it to a Yankees game and it didn't work. Okay. Uh, the reason in his case it didn't work is he had gotten a one of those rapid uh, antigen COVID tests earlier that day. The state of New York's rules are if you get an a- antigen test, you get a six-hour window where you're considered clear. Uh, you can go into one of these venues. And he showed up at Yankee Stadium and pulled up the, the app to load up his vaccine passport, his Excelsior Pass, as it's called in New York, and it, didn't, it wasn't there. It turns out that in the state of New York, not all the testing providers are sort of tapped into providing the data back into the system in a, in a quick manner. So they've got, they've got some work to do there on speeding it up. But to be honest, that was sort of perhaps the least troubling of the things that we came across when we tested this. A more troubling one is that we figured out there's actually really easy to fake these. Mm. So you might know Apple Pay or Google Pay on your phone. It's got all these the stuff involved, right, where it challenges you um, to load up a credit card on your phone. Every time you want to use one of these to pay for something, they make you identify yourself. But they didn't build any of that kind of technology into the Excelsior Pass. So I know a, a privacy guy in New York. Actually, you know how people are posting the vaccine selfies sure. on, on social media with the pictures of the little CDC card? Well, it turns out that thing contains almost all the information you need to steal someone's Excelsior. Yes! To steal someone's vaccine passport. Perfect! So he was able to do that to people. So, like, that's also not great. Now, the state of New York says, look, that's why we make people show an ID along with the Excelsior Pass, along with the app, which is true. They do, they do do that, but then, like, wait a minute. Are we about to have a situation where, like, you got to now show your ID at all sorts of businesses you want to enter, like, mm. at America even? So just lots of lots of access questions and barrier questions there. And listen, uh, again, with the unprofessionalism, we broke kind of late and we're up against a hard break. But what we've done is we posted Jeffrey's article uh, from the WAPO at armstrongandgetty.com. It is, again, very good and very interesting, and we encourage you to read it. I wish your friend had gotten in because I was going to ask how many innings of the game did he miss going through uh, yeah. you know, all the hoops because there's that. Jeffrey Fowler, Jeffrey, apologies for the lack of time, but it's always great to talk. Thank you. So are you concerned about this from a uh, showing your papers standpoint, the argument some people are making? You know, not as concerned um, as some people, but the more I see, the more I think a lot of these temporary emergency measures are intended to be semi-permanent. Yeah, so that's just, the problem. How long does it yeah. last? How long before you, you're, you're always showing a paper to go uh, into any restaurant or anywhere you ever go? Next flu season? Right. Armstrong and Getty. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver. 
And this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I don't care if Monday's blue, Tuesday's gray, and Wednesday too. Thursday, I don't care about you. It's Friday, I'm in love. Some exciting news from the world of science, where we've discovered that everything we thought we knew about everything might actually be wrong. Scientists in Illinois say that they believe they may have discovered a subatomic particle that does not obey the known laws of physics. It's called a muon, and it's essentially described as a type of heavy electron. Some research believe that this discovery could open up an entire new world of physics. 
and give us a greater understanding of how the universe operates. I knew it. Democrats have barely been in power for three months, and now even particles aren't obeying the law. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know about Electrons the, is a pretty good album title, by the way. Back to you. <laughs> I don't know about the jokes, but I like the story. So a new uh, subatomic particle that could change the change, uh, open up a whole new world of physics. I don't understand the old world of physics, but that's exciting stuff. <laughs> also, um, a biggest archaeological dis- discovery in a hundred years. What? We'll have to tell you about coming up, so stay tuned. Wow, fantastic. i got to whiz through a couple of stories fairly quickly. Uh, we can pause and discuss them as desired. This one's kind of a ho-hummer. It's been repeated so many times. Racist graffiti in Michigan College dorm was written by a black student. <clears throat> uh, white power die enters KKK. Uh, all put up by a 21-year-old black male who wants to alert everybody to how much racism there is, but there wasn't enough for him, so he created some. Again, that's a whole hummer. It's repeated so many times. Um, oh, you know, I never did get to critical race theory as a cover for the failure of our public schools, but we'll get to that later. Uh, this is from the Department of, yeah, you've heard it, but it um, it seems to be coming true. A lot of big employers giving up square footage as they juggle remote work. Could be devastating to builders, owners, and cities. Uh, they mention here in the liberal New York Times, although their political stance really doesn't have anything to do with the story, that there's been a sharp pullback in construction, steep drops in office rent, fewer people frequenting restaurants and stores, potentially perilous, perilous declines in the tax revenue of city governments and school districts. <clears throat> in only a year, the market value of office towers in Manhattan home to the country's two largest central business districts. They've plummeted 25% in a year, contributing to an estimated $1 billion drop-off in property tax revenue. Uh, A couple more facts, and we'll get to analysis. J.P. Morgan Chase, Ford Motor, Salesforce, Target, and more are giving up expensive office space, and J.P. Morgan Chase appears to be following suit, among others. What uh, happens to those buildings? What happens? Because there aren't new people that want to move into them. I, I don't know. That's a really interesting question. Um, it could be that they'll just have super low rent till population growth takes up the slack for a while. Uh, but keep in mind, those humans and those tax dollars aren't disappearing. They're just going to other places. And, you know, civilizations rise and fall. Buildings are built. Buildings are torn down. Uh, I can't imagine having invested all my hopes and dreams in some Manhattan office tower and then having the value plunge 25% a year. On the other hand, those folks form corporations, so they're not personally liable anyway. But it's an an interesting trend, and the fallout will continue, I'm sure, for years. Uh, A little closer to home, and and boy, I'm, I'm hot to trot on this issue. Spotify signed this deal with Joe Rogan, allegedly $100 million to exclusively deal with his podcast. The past podcasts and going forward. That's a lot of money. Uh, I should probably give my uh, number or our agent's number on the air right now in case Spotify is interested. Uh, but at any rate, they have quietly, under pressure from their woke employees, begun pulling some of Joe Rogan's podcasts. 42 now have been deleted. One of the reasons Joe Rogan had one of the most popular podcasts in the world is that he he could and would say anything about anything. He would challenge conventions. He would challenge the woke. 
he would be politically correct, incorrect. He would have guests on who challenge the narrative of our time. Also, his politics are all over the place. Like a normal human being, he's got things that don't fit together. Yeah, he's a really interesting guy. He's just a really curious guy. Sometimes they, I think he's nuts, but he's, he's a compelling performer, and he's curious, which I think is a cool quality. Um, but Spotify has provided no rationale for the deletion of the podcast. The rationale is that a bunch of woke Spotify employees reportedly threatened to strike against the company for anything on any of Joe Rogan's podcasts they didn't like. Can you imagine being that rigid, that childlike, that snotty, that entitled? I can't. But so they've actually pulled some episodes? 42 of them. Wow. Huh, that was the concern, is that if big podcasters, because podcast, people that do just podcasts and nothing else, one of their things that they love is, nobody can touch me. Nobody can touch me. Nobody can tell me what to do. I got no boss. All I need is a computer and a microphone. Right. Basically, all I need is a phone. And I've got a podcast, and there's nothing you can do to me. And uh, But, you know, you get the big money with a corporation, and now they're starting to yank some episodes. Yeah, yeah, that is troubling. And so far, Joe himself hasn't said much about it. And I'm not going to judge him. Uh, I don't I don't know who, his life and his concerns. And, How much money was it? Uh, allegedly $100 million bucks. Yeah, I'll say whatever you want for $100 million. I'm taking yeah. over on that amount, too. I'll be hey, a uh, Nazi. I'll be anti-Nazi. I'll be, I'll be whatever you want me to be. For $100 million. Uh, Rogan has dismissed the deletions after admitting that it was part of his gigantic deal. There are a few episodes they didn't want on their platform, and I was like, okay, I don't care. Most of the objections centered on Alex Jones, who had appeared several times. Right. What bothers me, obviously, is this company capitulating to the whinings of these rigid, little, angry children. It's just it's so unhealthy. It's so sick. God, I hate that. And it's dangerous. It's more dangerous than it seems because it doesn't take many of them to terrorize these big, stupid, cowardly corporations into compliance. Well, and once one or two dominoes fall, more fall. Well, obviously, one of the dumb parts of it is, is the reason you brought this guy on was because he has so many people who listen to his podcast. So many people listen to his podcast because you get such a wide variety of opinions and thoughts. Right. Now you're going to start to narrow those taking away the value that you just paid for. It's it's odd. Well, the little fascists, the little Nazis, and that's right, Spotify employees, I'm calling you Nazis because you want to stamp out anything that doesn't fit your ideology. Does that sound familiar? You people sicken me. And I'm sorry, I had other things I wanted to talk about, but God, this pisses me off. So the biggest archaeological find in a 100 years, they were looking for King Tut something or other there in Egypt by the Nile. When I they, hope uh, they knew what they were looking for. Does they, anybody know? Somebody dis- should know. They discovered a little thing, and then they started brushing away some sand, and it was connected to a wall, and they brushed away some no- more sand, and the next thing you knew, they discovered an entire city that was more than 3,000 years old. 3,000-year-old Egyptian city that had been buried under the sand for all this time. And so fairly well-preserved walls and all that sort of thing. Uh, Mud brick walls up to nine feet high. Various buildings where administration work, metal and glass production took place, and tomb building would have played out. What about bones? Did they find any bones? They will have bones because across from the city that they've um, uncovered is where their graveyard was, their cemetery. And, of course... Mm. 
After a certain amount of time, you're allowed to dig up dead people. If I go to a local cemetery today and start digging it up and say, hey, I found, uh, what's it say, Jim Johnson. I, this I've is an exciting relic of the 1980s. I've discovered Jim Johnson. This right. is his watch. I mean, no, you can't do that. But if it's old enough, people do it with glee. Right. Mm-hmm. You go a week later, you're a ghoul. You go a century later, you're an, you're an archaeologist. Anyway, it's quite amazing. It's 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 hard to wrap your head around the fact that there was a city with people doing stuff 3,000 years ago that you're doing today. There was a, a mom and a dad that hoped their kids do okay. You know, he's hoping to get a little of the night. She might be hoping he doesn't ask. Um, he's hoping his boss isn't mean to him. They were you playing know, League of Legends back then? They're, they're wondering whether or not the weather's going to be good this weekend. I mean, all the things you worry about in this town 3,000 years ago. Right. Um, we're going on. Wow, they were concerned about how many likes their social media posts got. That's fascinating. <laughs> You're an idiot. Stop talking now. Uh, also, I need to bring you the story stuff. of uh, New, New Hampshire High School uh, track and field coach who was fired and why he was fired. I got time to jam this in. I thought this was interesting. I just This just happened this morning, so I'm glad I happened upon it. CBS News is getting a little criticism, as they should, for doing a piece today during their CBS Money Watch during the early show called Three Ways Companies Can Help Fight Georgia's Restrictive New Voting Law. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh my and they just God. treated it as part of their Money Watch segment, which is usually, you know... How you can save a few dollars on your credit cards or something. Um, uh, the criticism, of course, is that CBS just ran a full-throated Democratic activist piece as a, you know, a, a, a money piece to try to help people. You know, I used to enjoy, I think it's called Market Watch on Nakedly Progressive Radio. It was a business segment. It was uh, blessedly free of politics, but now it's gone full woke. It's unlistenable. That's amazing. Yeah, that is Three ways oh, the restrictive can... new voting law, which is less restrictive in some ways than New York and Colorado and Delaware. The premise is a lie, and even if it were true, though, is that what CBS is supposed to be doing with the early show? Why is it that nobody, nobody mentions the people of Georgia voted, they elected certain representatives, the representatives voted for a law, and the governor signed it? That's what they're supposed to do. It's their right to do that. Uh, but that's something. If you must tell. I tell you what, if somebody indicts that law effectively while telling the truth, you know, I would listen to it. I would tend to disagree with them probably. But nobody tells the truth when they're trying to indict that law. Doesn't that tell you something right there? Yes. Mark Hemingway, uh, who we've had on the show before, said, I missed the announcement that CBS is now a Democratic <laughs> super PAC. Well, it's been fairly obvious for some time, but yeah, that's some good sarcasm and appreciate it. Uh, that is something. Uh, we got all that stuff that we just mentioned on the way. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Siri is getting a bit of a voice makeover. Apple's virtual assistant will now feature four voice options, two more than its previous update. Now, Siri will also no longer default 
to a female-sounding voice in order to be more inclusive. Apple changed things up after other companies' virtual assistants faced backlash for all defaulting to female voices. Mm. Apple says you're going to notice the Siri changes in a software update later this year. So if you had a male voice, it would have been, hey, what about women? Sexist. If you have a woman's voice, it's, oh, so women are servants. It's just whatever. (laughs) You people who run around all day praying you'll be offended or inventing some offense. I pity you. To the bottom of my heart, I pity you. (laughs) Seriously, whoever thinks about things like these. Yeah, no kidding. Now, this hey, is one of those things where I don't know if it's true, but I've re- I've said it so many times. I feel like this is true. I, I I feel in my I like I heard somebody tell me this that I trust. The reason why Siri was a female voice in the first place was because the people at Apple didn't want a male sounding thing because of 2001: The Space Odyssey. Nobody wanted oh. a computer that sounded like Hal. Right. That they, sounds who snuffed legit. out the the astronauts yeah. eventually. That Spoiler sounds, alert. That sounds legit. Yeah, I can believe that. My wife uh, goes with an Irish uh, Siri. An Irish woman. I don't know why, Give but it's charming. Give me a Mr. T setting. <laughs> How good would that be? Sean, do me a favor. Uh, play clip number 20. This is Kamala Harris last year. Actually, it was uh, a couple of years ago, I think, talking to uh, one of the officers in ICE. The Klan was a, what we would call today a domestic terrorist group. Why? Why, w- why would we call them domestic terrorist group? Because they tried to use fear and force to change political environment. And what was the motivation for the use of fear and force? It was based on race and ethnicity. Right. Are you aware of the perception of um, many about how the, the, the power and the discretion at ICE is being used to enforce the laws? And do you see any parallels? I do not see any parallels between I'm talking about officers and agents. I'm talking about perception. I, I do not see a parallel between what is constitutionally mandated as it, as it relates to enforcing the law. Are you aware that there's a rights. perception? I see no. Are you aware that there's a that perception? That puts ICE in the same category as the KKK. Wow, that that's... is a cowardly and increasingly common ploy. They used it on 60 Minutes the other day, shouting at Ron DeSantis. The narrative is, and Kamala Harris, there is a perception that ICE is just like the KKK. Well, then those people are wrong. Yeah, which is the point the guy was trying to make. Kamala Harris comparing ICE to the KKK while not having the guts to say it, just hiding behind some imagined perception. We'll be talking about the border situation with Congressman Tom McClintock coming up during the award-winning fourth hour of the Armstrong and Getty Show. If you do not get it, uh, you can grab it via podcast later today at armstrongandgetty.com. Armstrongandgetty.com. If you don't get the fourth hour, sad! It's Well, it's uh, it's a burden you must bear. Or don't get the podcast. Wanted to bring this story to you. New Hampshire high school track and field coach. One of my new heroes. He was fired after refusing to tell his team they had to wear masks when they competed. Bradley Keyes, who coached at Pembroke Academy for four years, asked if asked the school if the New Hampshire Interscholastic Athletic Association's guidelines requiring masks were a guidance or a mandate informed that his school and fellow competing schools agreed with the policy. 
He issued a blog post encouraging others to tell the schools they opposed the policy while adding an email he sent to the school's athletic director that stated, and I quote, I'll come straight to the point. I will not put kids on the track and tell them to run any races while wearing masks. I will not stand up in front of the kids and lie to them and tell them that these masks are doing anything worthwhile out (laughs) in an open field with wind blowing and the sun shining. These insane policies are robbing kids of a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for no valid reason other than irrational fears and going along with the sheep. Fire me if you must. He went on to call the guidelines senseless, irrational, cowardly bullets. (laughs) <laughs> and indeed, he was canned. He was fired, huh? Yeah, he was fired. Mm-hmm. In fact, he posted another blog entry that stated, I have been fired. I'm not surprised. I made my choice to speak out. They made theirs. My only regret is not being able to be there every day to teach and encourage all of my athletes. I have just one parting thought that came to me yesterday and helped clarify this situation, why I made the choice I did. High school sports in their ideal should instill a joy of physical activity, show the value of hard work and long-term view towards self-improvement, teach teamwork and cooperation, help learn how to face both success and failure with dignity and grace. And one of the uh, aspects of that is to play by the rules, except now we are adding arbitrary, senseless, ill-thought rules. How much time do we have? This is good stuff. I've had a few coaches thank me for speaking out, for saying that for saying what they would like to have said. Some have even stated that they will be telling their athletes that there's nothing that can be done if their masks happen to fall down or off at the start of the race. That's how many coaches are going to deal with these new mask rules. They're going to tell their athletes to ignore them, to cheat. We now have some coaches telling athletes to play by some rules and ignore others. Then we'll have other coaches who tell their athletes that the new mask rules suck, but they'll still need to play by those rules. So now you've got an unlevel playing field and blatant violation of rules, and that leads to the real crime in this situation, an undermining of one of the cornerstones of high school sports and the lessons we hope to teach these young adults. I won't be part of that. Hmm. Well, thank God that monster isn't coaching young athletes anymore. That's unfreaking believable. You're out there in the wind, in an open field, and out of irrational, cowardly, just sheeply rule making, you make the kids wear masks. Idiotic. Uh, some pretty big developments in the George Floyd, Derek Chauvin case that we should talk about. The Queen is single again. We could get into that story. Is she dating? If you're an oldster, I'm finding out. <laughs> Are you DMing her? Oh, jeez. Plus, Congressman Tom McClintock on the situation at the border, which he surveyed in person only days ago. Mm -hmm. How recently was that Kamala Harris thing? Uh, It was uh, toward the end of 18, 2018. Wow. And so yesterday, the DHS secretary, we've heard behind closed doors, gave his 100% backing to ICE. And to rebuilding the wall. And to eliminating sanctuary cities. So right. They could end up with some real problems there in their, uh, among their top people. Alejandro, I had no idea. Armstrong and Getty. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. 
I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.